Chapter 3. So, what did we learn so far? What do we know so far about ourselves? Mm-hmm. The Alter Rebbe promised us he's going to teach us a whole new, uh, a whole new perspective of what we have inside of us. So we know that we have two souls. We have the Nefesh of Bahamas, the animating soul, and we have the Nefesh of Ikis, the divine soul. The Nefesh of Ikis is a part of God, and that is the part of us that uh, kind of, you know, lifts us up higher, better, um, that's the part of us that's searching for meaning, searching for transcendence, searching for connection. And then we have the animating soul, which is searching for what? Survival, basically. Survival and to, you know, enjoy the world. That's pretty much what's going on. Um, we're not even going to get into the struggle between these two souls for another while, for several chapters. Um, but now in chapter three, the altar was going to do something very fascinating. You know, Imagine you come up to someone and say, you know, let, let me tell you what's going on inside of you. You're like, what do you mean? Uh, since the day I was born, I've been feeling stuff, I've had emotions, I'm understanding things, right? Um, all of us are intuitively in touch, unless there's something wrong, but we're intuitively in touch with um, the fact that we're able to understand things, the fact that we're able to feel things, etc. Uh, but the Altareb is going to give us a framework with which we're able to actually maximize the potential of our intellect and our emotions. The only way we can maximize the potential of that is if you know what it, what, the, what it is. So, let's say you buy a car, right? Everyone here knows how to drive a car. You know how to turn on the ignition and just you know, drive away. Uh, but the moment that there is some funny beeping sounds, the moment that there's some, you get all nervous, you run to the you run to the car shop, and the car shop guy looks at the thing, he's like, he's happy you walked in, so he's gonna charge you a hundred bucks for a visit. But like, something so silly you just have to flip a switch you have to this you have to that no no big deal and even the stuff that's going on in the engine come on you can't just open you know uh, pick up the front uh, you know pick it up and and then move a few things over there the thing is that one of the reasons why i personally don't want to touch my cars because i don't understand anything about it i don't understand how engines work i'm worried i'm going to move one little thing it's going to blow up on me you know i, I don't know how to deal with this stuff um and it probably wouldn't take too long for me to figure it out if I have the right teacher, spend two hours to go through the engine, go through the car, figure it out, I'll be a pro. But I'd rather do other things, right? Okay. Um, and the same thing is true about gadgets, about the phones that we have, computers that we use, everything that we have. We all know how to use it somewhat. We know how to figure things out. We know how to utilize it for the things that we want it for. Uh, but the truth is that if we would know it well, we would be able to maximize the potential of what this really what, what, what's really there, what's really contained in this gadget or whatever it might be. Uh, the same thing is true with, um, let's say, for example, government, right? Um, all, all those people, people that get uh, voted into office and all that type of stuff, right? They don't know the first thing about how government works and about how laws work and what, what do they do? They, they get all these... They get the gas card. They have professionals, people that know government through and through, they come and they either they teach it to them or they just advise them exactly how to go and what to do and what to say and everything is good. On the job training. On the job training, but you have to have people that understand government well. If you understand it well, then you know how to uh, you know, maneuver with it, you know how to maximize its potential, etc. The same thing is true with regard to the soul. Every one of us has a soul inside of us. And the question is, how do we use it? How are we able to maximize its potential? How are we able to, you know, let's put it this way. This is going to be key 
to answering the question of how is it possible that Korev Eilecha Hadavar Mo'id, remember on the title page of the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe said, I'm going, this Tanya is here in order to answer a fundamental question. It says in the Torah, we're going to be reading it in this week's parasha, right? Exactly. This Dover, this thing, which is the Torah or the mitzvah of Teshuvah, there's a discussion of what exactly it's referring to over there, but either way, it says, This thing is very close to you, in your mouth and in your action and in your heart, etc. How is it possible to that, that it's I mean, I know myself and I know my attitude to Judaism and I know my attitude to life. And Torah uh, and Teshuvah are not exactly the closest things to me necessarily. And the Altar says, I'm going to explain it to you. But in order to explain that to you, I have to explain to you what you have inside of you. And chapter 3 is the beginning of the description of what is the soul. What is the nefesh? What is it made up of? Chapter 3 is going to discuss uh, what is typically referred to in Hasidic, uh, in, in Hasidus in general, as the essential parts of the soul, the, the actual DNA of the soul, the biology of the soul, and then chapter 4 is going to discuss what's called the garments of the soul. Okay, so chapter 3, let's begin. Now, each distinction and grade of the three, which is nefesh, ruach, and neshama. Um, in a very general term, we're just going to say neshama, the soul. Okay, so all of these, every neshama, consists of ten faculties, corresponding to the supernal ten sefirot divine manifestations, from which they have descended. Okay. Let's stop right here. Um, three things just happened over here in these few lines. Number one, telling us that the neshama has ten faculties. These ten faculties are, are how do you say, they, they correspond, they are a mirror of the ten sefirot. And these ten faculties in the soul descend from them. So, so here the Alter Rebbe just told us a very powerful idea, which is, just like I have a soul, God is like that soul. Whatever I'm going to be finding inside of me is a reflection of what is in God. Now, God, God is a heavy word. Right? Yeah, where did where, where did God come from? Huh? Very good. Good question. I, I thought we were talking about me. How did God come into the picture? <clears throat> you know the joke. Oh, forget about jokes. This is serious business. Okay. Um, the joke goes that there was once. I said it once before. There's two friends. They were studying for 20 years together. And one day, one of them shows up and he says, "I had a nightmare last night." So what was the nightmare? He said, "I don't want to discuss it." He said, "Say it anyway." He said, "I had a nightmare that God died." God died. So he said, ah, come on. You know how nightmares work. You know how dreams work. They're the thoughts that are during the day. So probably you were thinking about God. You were thinking about death. In the middle of the, middle of the night, they came together. God died. He said, it's impossible. So why is it impossible? He says, I haven't thought about God in 20 years. <laughs> so you ask, how did God come into the picture? Every time you open up a book of Tanya, God's in the picture. The question is, how exactly is it going to come into the picture? But anyway, so, so what, what's the deal here? 
One of the foundations of our faith is that God transcends all uh, figure, all uh, manifestation. There's no way to actually measure God, to see God, whatever. However, however, uh, that is true. That is true. God is what we call pashut, the sapshitos. He is simple and simple, not in not in a bad way. Simple as in, uh, in it's a, has no form and has no, uh, you know. Well, easy. Exactly. Very good. One of the thirteen principles of faith is that God has no form, and God has. There is no way of describing God. Right? You can only describe what He's not. The first, the first one before is that He's unique, and one that there's nothing like Him. And the second one is yes. He has no form. Right? This is one of the beliefs that makes monotheism distinct from you know, atheism and all these other, uh, all these other ideas. So God has no form, and God has no nothing. So. Where did the ten spheres come from? So this is a, a, a very deep idea. We're actually going to be discussing it in the JLI course that's coming up in the fall, after the holidays. Um, but in, in, a ver- in very simple terms, the idea is like this. God wanted to create a world. Why he wanted to, that's not the question at this point, but once he decided he wanted to create a world, a world which is going to have form, a world which is going to be complex, a, wor- a world that's going to have time and space and all of these things. So everything comes from God. In other words, everything is, a, is, is essentially a manifestation of God. So God manifested himself, or he caused himself to, so to speak, evolve. All these words are bad words to use for it, but just in order for us to get an idea of what's going on over here, he manifested himself in ten spheres, which fun- all of them function in different ways. They, they function in unison. They function together as, 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 as one unit, but they're all very different concepts. Um, and like this, he's able to create a world that also has very different ideas. For example, part of the concept of the Ten Sephiris is that um, you have Chesed, kindness, which is to the right, and you have Gvura, which is severity or discipline, which is to the left. The concept of attraction and then contraction in other words coming close and then holding back staying far away in this world we have the manifestation of these two ideas you have the idea of water water brings together water flows water comes closer water is a manifestation of chesed light is a manifestation of chesed Um, fire is a manifestation of gvura you stay away from fire right Uh, fire very often separates things it also brings things together it's a very fascinating thing that um, fire is a manifestation of gvura. You have up, you have down, you have right, you have left, you have love and you have fear. All of these different things are manifestations of these two spheres of chesed and gvura. So, in a way, what God did was he created a character for himself in order to create a world that is going to be a reflection of that character. So nothing in this world is just some random... You know, you tell a kid psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever, right? So how, how do they do their business? I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I have no, you know, but this, this, I have a little, you know, you, you bring a kid for evaluation, right? So what does the psychologist do? They give the kid a paper and a pencil or whatever, or, or a crayon, they say, draw something for me. The kid's going to draw. And the psychologist is going to take them and based on the scribble-scrabble of the kid, is going to make some assumptions or some educated, uh, you know, conclusions with regard to what the child needs, what's going on in the child's mind. Why? Because 
They'll say, ah, it's just scribble, scrabble. Nothing is scribble, scrabble. Everything is, a, is, is a, how do you say, it's, it's a result of what's going on inside of you, right? Now, two people could be having the exact same emotion, and it'll be two very different pictures. You could be having the same exact emotion f- feeling today, and tomorrow will be two very different pictures. But essentially, someone who's very, very good um, at understanding you know, the, the mind and the, and, the, and the psyche will be able to trace it back to a very specific feeling. They'll say, oh, yesterday you were sad, today you're happy, based on looking at you know, some scribble-scrabble or some junk uh, arts and crafts that you make. Obviously, this world is not random. God created this world. And this world is really just a, a manifestation of God's character. The character that God kind of made himself evolve into. Yes? Is, is God more than the tenth? What do you mean is God more than the What does that mean? Because we're seeing these ten powers these, that we get our reflection, what kind of a reflection comes from him. Is, in other words, is there more to it than just ten spheres? There's more than ten. Oh, I'm very sure. good, very good. Okay, so Marvin wants to know if he's a mini god. The answer no, is yes, no, because we're, we're the mini <laughs> reflection of God, right? Right. Right. So, is there more than the ten spheres? Of course, of course, there is. Yes, there is more than the ten spheres, but we'll leave that for a different time. Um, but right now, we're talking about. Let's put it this way: um, when God, I say, created or caused to come into being the ten spheres. These ten spheres are, are, for the most part, they are the character of God that is meant to be revealed. Whatever revealed means. And I'm talking a lot in code words because I'm trying to like cover myself. <laughs> the more the more chesedes you learn, ah? Huh? You're using gevur on us. Are you missing gevur on you? No. It's a lot of chesed. There's a lot of chesed going on. There. <laughs> um, no, like the, the more you learn chesedes, you start to learn that every word that you say, you got to kind of cover yourself because doesn't really mean that. It means this, it means this, whatever. But uh, look, the soul is not a gadget like an iPhone. You know what I'm saying? And even when I go into the into the store and I start asking them a question, there's a hedging and wedging. And, well, kind of this, that. Anyway. Okay. So these ten spheres um, are in God. By the way, where are they? Here. They're nowhere. They're a concept. They're a certain reality. They're not a place. They're not. They're not in some. You know. They're not in heaven. Whatever. It's ten. It's like. It's like. Where is. Uh, where is one plus one equals two? It's a concept. It's an. It's an idea. Um, so when God created man, what does it say in the Torah? Nasa Adam bitzalmeinu. Let's create man in our image. It does not say this about any other animals or any other creations in this world. It only says it about man. That's it. So man was gifted with a psyche, a soul, that is a reflection of the ten spheres, but not just a reflection, the soul and its ten faculties actually descended, evolved from these ten spheres. This is actually one of the foundations for the idea that everything in this world evolves from God. Everything in this world can be tracked back to the way it is in the spiritual realms. So if someone has an idea of what's going on in the spiritual realm, they're able to have a clear idea of what's going on in the physical realm. So the, the third point that he made over here that we just read, which are, um, from which they have descended, is a very powerful concept. 
What's saying is that everything in this world, everything that we experience, is a direct evolution of what's going on in the spiritual realities. But now let's focus on the soul. So the, the soul has ten faculties, which come from the ten spheres, and these ten, which are subdivided into two, namely, the three mothers and the seven multiples. Okay? What does that mean? Namely, the three mothers are Chachma, wisdom, Bina, understanding, and Das, which is knowledge. So Chachma, Bina, Das are the three subcategories, or the three categories which are called mothers. And then the seven days of creation, Chesed, Gevura, Tiferes, and so on. Um, Alright, so when God created the world, the Zohar tells us, I believe it's in the Zohar, that every day had its unique uh, sphera that was involved in the creation of that day. You ever wondered why a week is seven days? What, what is the magic number of seven? Creation. Create the world. Huh? Creation. So why, why did God create the world in six days and rest in the seventh? What, what's so unique about seven? Why not eight? Why not ten? Why not two? If God could create a world in six and rest in the seventh, he could create a world in four days and rest on the fifth. Right? The communists wanted a five-day week or something. Right? That, that, they tried that. It didn't work. It didn't work. By the way, in this world, all measurements of time have to make sense. For example, a day, 24 hours. What is 24 hours? It's basically a revolution of something, the sun, the moon, something. Basically, day and night. Day and night will never be more or less than 24 hours. It's always going to be that. The question is how long will be day, how long will be night. That's 24 hours. 24 hours is a day. Is the night, is, is, the, is, is light and dark. That's 24 hours. What's a month? Well, it depends. Depends which month you're talking about, right? Depends which month you're talking about. If you're talking about a month in the Gregorian calendar, a month is meaningless. Nothing happens in 30 or 31 days. But what's unique about the Gregorian, what's unique about the calendar? It's the cycle of the sun. What's unique about the calendar? The fact that it's the seasons. The calendar is always going to be four seasons and that's it. It's 365 days or 366, whatever, however it works. Sometimes you have to have a leap year, but the point is that the, the secular year is not a random year. It's a year. It's the four seasons. Now, in order to better maneuver or deal with the year, we subdivide it into 12 units to make it easier for us to handle things, right? So, we, but, but the units are meaningless. There's no meaning to the 31 days of January. Are there 31 days in January? The number 31 is a meaningless number. Nothing happens in the world in 31 days. What's that? What? The months happy. Hold on. The only, the only months that do have meaning are the months in the lunar calendar and the Jewish calendar. What's a month? The cycle of the moon. That's it. Right, so, that, so that's meaningful. But what's a week? What happens in a week? Nothing. Nothing here in this world happens in a week. What is the magic number seven? The seven spheres. So like this. We said there's ten spheres, so why are we knocking it down to seven? Three of them are 
the mothers. What does that mean, the mothers? The birthers. Three of them are intellect. Chachma bin Adas are the three faculties of intellect. In Hebrew, it's called moichin. That's intellect. What is the function of intellect? Intellect is meant to give birth to, is meant to create emotions. What does that mean? You're presented, you, you, in, let's say you're, you're in a room and there's a fire in the middle of the room. Whatever, it's a fire. Uh, better idea. You have a two-year-old running around in the kitchen, okay? And there's a stove, and on the stove there's a fire. Now, the two-year-old is going to look at the fire. What's he going to do? Like to try to touch it, huh? It's true. It's a real thing, by the way. They, they do that. So he's going to try to touch it's it. It's in your thing. Yeah. Why, why shouldn't he touch it? He touches other things. Why shouldn't he touch the fire? Now, really, what, what should happen is like this. Intellect should kick in and say, this is a fire. Fire is hot. Fire is very hot. And if you put your finger to the fire, you're going to get burnt. Right? So what is, what is the intellect, what is this idea meant to create within the person, a certain emotion. What is that emotion? Stay away. Fire's hot, don't touch. Stay away, not good for me. Then, the intellect could also say something else. It's cold, and there's a fire. Fire is warm. Get closer. When I see fire, and it's a cold day outside, and it's cold in the room, and there's a fire in in the fireplace... My mind will tell me, get closer. In other words, now I'm attracted to get closer to the fire. Don't stay away from the fire. Get closer to the fire. Right? I need the fire. Because fire is warmth and it's cold here. So mind controls emotion. which And, and, and the purpose of emotion, the whole, is, is to, to, to lead directly to action. The, the mind could create different types of emotions. The same idea can create two opposite emotions. The fact that fire is hot can cause me to feel stay away and cause me to stay away. And that same idea could also tell me, hey, get closer because it'll be warm that way. You stay far away, you're going to freeze. Right? So this whole process is that intellect doesn't do anything. Intellect does not directly lead to a specific action. Intellect must create a, a feeling, an emotion. That emotion will directly lead to an action. So that intellect can cause me to feel an attraction. I want to get closer and then I'm going to actually get closer. Or it can cause me to feel a fear from it and tell me, hey, stay away. So I'm going to back away from it. But it's a three, but there's, there's three parts to the process. There's intellect, emotion, and then action. So, when God created the world, He created multiple things in this world. So many. This world is, is, is a fascinating place. He created so many things in this world. On the first day, He created light. What is light? Light is an expression of chesed, of kindness. And in general, by the way, the whole concept of creation, starting creation, creating the world. By the way, the first day wasn't just light. 
The first day God created all of the elements with which he would create the rest of the world. So earth, water, air, fire, all of this was created on the first day. So the foundation for creation was brought into being on the first day. And the official creation of the first day that was designated for the first day was the creation of light. That's an expression of chesed. Why do I say that all the elements were created on the first day? Because by day number two, it says he split the waters. Where did the water come from? What happened there? Right? So it's important for you to know this, that, that the, these four elements were already there. God created them when he said, Bereshis, when, when he started to create, these four elements came into being. And the way they were in being, the, the earth, which is the heaviest, was in the middle, was in the bottom, in, in other words, in, in the center. Then you had water that was above the earth. That's what it says, in the Spirit of God. In fact, in the very first verse, the second verse, it basically describes that, that, that there was earth and there was, it says, and the earth was uh, chaos, right? What? Unformed and void. So you have earth and there's water above it and there's ruach, there's spirit, which also means wind, air is, 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 is above that and then fire was above that. Okay. What happened on the second day? What was the creation of the second day? The separation of the water. Now, what exactly the separation was is a separate question. That's not the, that's not the discussion right now. But separation is not a function of chesed. Separation is a function of gvura, discipline. Try to separate two kids that are fighting. Don't work that way, right? But there's a certain level of, of strength and discipline that has to be invested in the concept of separating two different things. And by the way, when God separated the waters, not everyone was happy. The Talmud tells us that the bottom waters, the lower waters, were upset. We want to be spiritual, right? Gvura doesn't always make everyone happy, right? Gvura doesn't, not at all, huh? So that, that was the second day. What happened on the third day? And I'll stop with that. What happened on the third day? On the, thir- to the, thir- the third day, God caused the earth to be revealed. So you have a globe that's not just all water or only earth. You have a globe which has water and has earth. It's, it's kind of a mixture. It's a mixture of two things, of dry land and the, and, and the seas, the waters, etc. The revealed land and then the hidden world of the sea, of the ocean. And that's, and that's earth. Earth is like this mixture of two things. And that is the third sphero, which is called Tiferes. Tiferes, which literally means beauty. But the idea of Tiferes means it's, it's bringing the ideas of Chesed and Gvura and merging and, and blending them together. And that's where re- real beauty is. Has anyone ever sold a canvas of art that is just red? Just red. That's worthless. But if you put one dot of blue on the bottom corner, you can sell it for $250,000 at a starting price. Why? We've got two colors there. Right? One color, that's not art. That's not beauty. That's not impressive. But if you're able to contrast two colors in a specific way, oh, now, now, you're, now you're doing something. Now you're on to something. And that's what happened on the third day. Right, that's Tiferes. And so on. Every day was another manifestation of these spheres. That's why they're called the seven days of creation. The seventh day, Shabbos, is called Malchus. What's Malchus? Kingship. What do we call Shabbos? The queen. Right? So, and, and, and that's a king doesn't work. You know that. Kings don't work. So on Shabbos, we don't work. God doesn't work on Shabbos either. 
But that, that's just to give an idea of why he is uh, referring to, uh, to these, uh, these seven spheres, which are essentially the emotions. He's referring to them as the days of creation. Each day of creation is another, uh, how do you say, an, another representation, or not just a representation, it descended from, it's a manifestation of one of these spheres. Inside of us, we have this as well. We have the ten faculties, the top three, Chachma Bino Das, which is the acronym of which word? Chabad. There we go. So that's the intellect. So that, that, that's what functions inside of us as the intellect. And that's the mother that gives birth to the emotions, or it should give birth to the emotions. What we're going to learn is like this. Alter is going to say like this. Yeah, all of us, we're, we're smart people, and we're feeling people. We think stuff, we understand things, we feel stuff. You know what the problem that we have is? Most of the time, our intellectual ideas and our emotions are way out of whack. They're totally separate. We think one way, we feel differently, we act differently. It's all, it's all over the place, right? So are you in touch with your intellect? Of course I'm in touch. I'm a smart boy. Are you in touch with your feelings? Of course I am, right? The question is, are they working in sync? That, that's the real question. And what we're going to actually discover is that the soul in which the intellect directly impacts the emotions and gives birth to action is specifically in the divine soul, in the nefesh of the kiss. The nefesh of is the animal soul, also has intellect, emotions, actions, but over there things are a bit haywire. Yeah, and that's why when we feel like that, we know that we're in touch with the animal soul and not the divine soul. So here the Alter Rebbe wants to introduce us to the divine soul. How does this divine soul work? Okay, so let's continue here. Any questions? Any? Uh... I heard this Yep, yep. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right, that's it. That's all there is. Seven music. Right, there's only seven. Do, ra, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Yeah. so what does that tell you? Nothing's by accident. Music is an integral part of creation. And there's a reason why music only has seven notes. It says in the holy books of a Mashiach will come, there will be an eighth note. You think you've heard of music yet? Ah, wait till Mashiach comes. You're going to hear some music. So there was only seven when the Levites used to sing. There were seven strings on the on the harp. And it says when Mashiach will come, there's going to be an eighth. And then in a different uh, time period in Mashiach's time, there's going to be ten. So if you think you know about music, you've, you've seen nothing yet. <laughs> but whatever the world has to offer, is in seven musical notes. Yeah. That's why we always, many times we refer to like the world or life as music, right? The, the, the music of life, the tune of life, the rhythm of life, and all these, you know. Yeah, music is an integral part of, uh, of creation. Music is an evolution of God. Music evolved, descended from these seven spheres, apparently, right? Somehow Mashiach will come. In other words, which basically, you know, music has a very strong connection to us to our soul to our psyche but there's only seven notes because today we only really have a real connection and relationship to the seven emotions the three levels of intellect we haven't yet really uh... by the way 
The land of Israel is the land of how many nations? Seven. seven. You see the seven coming up again and again and again? The seven fruits of the land, very good. Seven kinds. You're going to see all these sevens coming up all over the place. And they all blend together in a most beautiful way. And they all descend from these seven spherot. These seven spherot. Okay. Similarly is it with the human soul, which is divided in two. Seichel, intellect, and midot, emotional attributes. The intellect includes Chachma, Bina, and Das, which is Chabad, <coughs> while the Midot are love of God, that comes from Chesed, dread and awe of Him, which is from Givura, glorification of Him, that comes from Tiferes, and so forth. Chabad, the intellectual faculties, are called mothers and the source of the Midot. For the latter, the Midot, are offspring of the former. So the, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a divine world, when you're in touch with your divine soul, your emotions are a result of your intellect. Your feelings are a result of ideas, not the other way around. What does Western culture say? Follow your heart. What happens when you follow your heart? In trouble. That's it, exactly. You get in trouble. I always wondered why people always say, stay safe, stay safe, stay safe. Right? I was like, well, what's going on? What's the problem? It's not stay safe from criminals outside of you. Stay safe from yourself. Because <laughs> Western culture always says, follow your heart. If you're following your heart all the time, there's no... You're not safe. Anyway. But in the divine soul, with the Nefesh Alekis, the Chabad, the intellect is what gives birth to and controls the, the midot, the emotions. So how does this work? What's the, this analogy of birth, the Altareb is going to take it all the way here. The explanation of the matter is as follows. The intellect of the rational soul, which is the faculty that conceives anything, is given the appellation of chachma. The word Chachma is made up of four letters, and if you play around with the letters a bit, you come up with two words. Koyach Ma. Koyach means potential. Ma means what. So, the potentiality of what is. What's going on here? You ever try to figure something out and you're working on it for a while and then you have what they call the flash of inspiration. Ah, 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 ah. I have it. I got it. And you say, I got it. And someone says, what do you got? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what I got. But I got something. Flash. Flash of inspiration. What's in that flash? A minute earlier, you didn't say, I got it. And now all of a sudden you said, I got it. What do you get? Why do you do that? You're hacking a China. You're just making drama to make everyone excited? No, it's real. Right? And usually that flash of inspiration comes like right after you're like, oh man, I can't get that. This is like beyond me, beyond me. You're going crazy. And then I say, I got it. They say, what do you get? I don't know. I'll figure it out. But I got it. 
in, in other places in Hasidus and in Kabbalah, it's called the flash of lightning. Barakamavrik, light. What's lightning? It's impressive. Bam! It's there. It's there and it's gone. But you know who figured out how to take that lightning and turn it into tremendous energy? No, Franklin. <laughs> wasn't, it, wasn't it Benjamin Franklin? Well, he's the one with the kite. He was the guy with the kite, right? When I was a kid, they told me, all you need to have is a kite, and you got the, energy, you got, you got the electricity from the, from the flash of... Anyway, so the, po- the point is like this. When you say, I got it, but you didn't really get it yet, that's Chochmah. Chochmah means you have this flash of inspiration, this potential for tremendous intellectual depth, but at the moment, in this space or like in, in this in this um, part of the process you're still saying what is this what I don't know what this is yet but I have something there's this potential so that's Chach. then when one brings forth this power from the potential into the actual what does it mean to the actual that is when a person cogitates yeah cogitates Mm-hmm. cogitates with his intellect in order to understand a thing truly and profoundly as it evolves from the concept which he has conceived in his intellect this is called Bina so right after you got that flash of inspiration you sit there and you try to figure out now what exactly is here you try to figure it out you go through it into details you break it up into parts you figure out all the details of how this all works and you come together with an idea, you construct an idea, that is the function of Bino. Well, yeah. Okay, now it shouldn't be hard to attribute father and mother to these two ideas. These, Chachma and Bina, are the very father and mother, which give birth to love of God and awe and dread of Him. Right? How do you give birth to children? How do you create kids? You need to have father who gives the flash of inspiration, that one little seed, which has everything in there, but what is that seed? A putrid drop. What's there? Everything. But can you see it all in there? No. Is it all in there in actuality? No. The father needs a mother. What does the mother do? That She takes that little drop, and somehow, through nine months of gestation, comes up a whole person comes out of this whole thing right with a mind and a heart and a person that could change the world came from what from one little nothing right from a little spark from a little flash <coughs> so in order for this divine soul to really truly love God this divine soul needs to first think about God needs to understand God and has to go through the process of the Chochmah, the flash of inspiration the Bina developing an idea and that is going to give birth to the offspring of intellect which is the emotions what are the emotions of the divine soul love of God, fear of God and all of that now by the way, before we go any further it's important to, to remember every Jew has a natural inborn love for God. Every Jew has a natural inborn awe for God. It might not be exactly at the forefront of their consciousness, but it's all, it's all there, right? The fact that uh, you can approach someone on the street and say, excuse me, sir, are you Jewish? And say, yeah, what of it? And say, we'd like to put on film. And say, yeah, why not? Let's do it. 
That's an expression of love of God. Why, why else should they roll up their sleeve and have a total stranger wrap them up? Like, what's going on here, right? They never ask for credentials. How do you know you're not going to kill me? You know, all that type of stuff, right? So, so what's the... So, so what's the deal? Because every Jew has a natural inborn love of God and is attracted to doing Jewish things, right? Say, hey, you're Jewish, yeah. Why don't you have a, a you know, a, a bacon? No, 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 not bacon, not bacon. Why? Because natural inborn fear of God. Oh, bacon is not allowed. But that's not the love and fear we're talking about here. We're not talking about that. The Altar is going to discuss that much later. Later on in Tanya, in other words, the Altar does not discount the importance of that love on the contrary. He says we have to capitalize on the love. But that's not the love that is that that is the full. In other words, that love is not the ultimate love that a Jew is able to achieve when it comes to the service of God. And so, since we're right at the beginning of understanding what is our potential, what are, what are we actually able to do in the service of God, the Altareba wants us to understand the tools that we have inside of us. If you have a divine soul, that divine soul functions in a specific way. And by utilizing that divine soul or being in touch with it in the right fashion, uh, utilizing its intellect and allowing that intellect to give birth to midas, which are much stronger and, and more powerful and more profound than the natural love and fear of God, then you're going to be able to truly, you will, you will be able to grow in your service of God. So again, what we're talking here is probably something that most people have never experienced yet. Because we're not talking here simply about the development of any idea or any type of you know emotion. We're talking here specifically about developing a love and fear of God that is built off of or is a result of a profound understanding of God. All right, so that's that's chapter three. Anyway, we'll stop over here, um, and yeah, we will continue next week. Thank you, Shafarov. You know, I did hear about one painting that was.